0: And that's the challenge for each of us, right? Isn't it a challenge every day? It seems like there's more and more stuff just coming at us, bombarding us. And it seems that it has increased. The Word tells us that knowledge will increase in the last days. And there's so much stuff being thrown at us today. And so we're going to learn in this book how we are to live in these last days as believers in Jesus Christ. So, you know, I'm not sure if the church of Ephesus got the message of the Book of Ephesians. But I hope that the church here in Lake Villa would heed the message that the Lord has for us today.
1: are looking too far for that need. Now, here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word.
0: We have an intro to uh, Ephesians because there's a couple of reasons I initially planning on, you know, slowing down Ephesians a little bit, but not too much. Uh, My initial plan was to divide each chapter into two weeks teaching and uh, I get to chapter one and verses three through 14 is deemed to be the longest sentence in scripture. And the idea is that it as a sentence structure is, and we'll look at this more next week, but this continuous theme that runs through there. So I wanted to keep verses three through 14 together and intact. So that leaves me with verses 1 and 2. And so as a pastor, you could ask, well, what can you do with two verses? And as you know, some pastors can do a couple hours on two verses of Scripture. And uh, yes, I'm one of those. And so we have the introduction found here. But as I was thinking about it, it's good before we get into this book, and especially with the church in Ephesus. We have so much background information on the church itself. Uh, We have... In Acts chapter 18, 19, and 20, we have a little bit of their uh, story of how they were founded and, and Paul's interaction with the churches. He uh, visited them first on his second missionary journey and then stayed with them, he would say, in Acts chapter 20, for three years, day and night. And he taught the word of God to them. So he was with them for a period of three years. In the missionary journeys, the church in Ephesus, Paul stayed there longer than any other church. He poured into them more than any other church. And Scripture tells us that while Paul was sitting and teaching for a period of two years in the school of Tyrannus, that the Word of God went out through all Asia, and everyone, both Jew and Greek, heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is a a tremendous church. It was in a city that is believed to be around this time to have been about about a quarter of a million people in that city. It was one of the leading cities in the Roman Empire, and it was on the trade route that it was kind of the beginning of the trade route in the Middle East there. So it was a very prominent city. And they also worship, as we will learn today, Diana, uh, a goddess that Uh, meteorite fell to the earth and they thought, hey, this looks like a goddess, let's worship this rock. And they did, and they built this huge temple around her. And so there was the whole world coming to worship uh, this goddess Diana, and many were finding the true God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Before we actually get into the book of Ephesus, I wanted us to review a bit about the church itself. It's also interesting to me, in the book of Revelation, in chapters 2 and chapters 3, the Lord Jesus writes to seven churches by name. Ephesus is the first church on that list. In fact, Ephesus is the only church that we can connect back into the uh, the missionary journeys of Paul. So we have a, a time span from the time that Paul first came to visit them, or somewhere around AD 52, until the Lord gave John this letter to send back to them somewhere around, they believe, AD 95, 96. We have this spread to where you have this church that became a church, came to know the Lord, sent out missionaries until everyone in that area of Asia Minor heard about Jesus, until the Lord wrote at the end of the first century and said, you have lost your first love. There was a a huge dynamic that played through this church. Our letter comes to us somewhere in the middle of that, really it's about 10 years after Paul had first visited them. At that point, it's somewhere around AD 61 and 63. Paul's in prison and he begins to write letters to the churches. He wrote to Colossians and Ephesians to Philemon and he begins to write these prison epistles. This is one of those epistles and he repeats a few times that he is a prisoner of Jesus Christ, that he's referring to his chains. And so this is a very, I believe, a very important message to the church. We could say it was written, the letter of Ephesians may be written about 10 years after their founding, 10 years as a fellowship. They're, for the most part, brand new in the Lord as they're coming to faith. Some of them are 10 years old, maybe a few are a little older than that in the Lord, but it's a very um, significant period, and Paul writes this letter to the church of Ephesus. I was kind of wondering, as a result of Jesus' word to their church, and he says to them, I know your works, and they had many good works, but you have lost your first love. It makes me wonder, if did they heed the message that was given to them in the book of Ephesus? Did they really take in and comprehend the words that Paul Uh, gave to them about the church because Paul we will learn next week he will take us to the heights of glory to the heights of heaven and tell us about our future that we have in God in Christ but he'll also say that's future now this is how you're to live as a believer today and that same glory is ours as believers today We have a future. We have a hope with Jesus Christ. One day this flesh will die. We will be with the Lord in heaven. But until that day, how are we to live while we're on this earth? And that's the challenge for each of us, right? Isn't it a challenge every day? It seems like there's more and more stuff just coming at us, bombarding us. And it seems that it has increased. The Word tells us that knowledge will increase in the last days. And there's so much stuff being thrown at us today. And so we're going to learn in this book how we are to live in these last days as believers in Jesus Christ. So, you know, I'm not sure if the church of Ephesus got the message of the book of Ephesians. But I hope that the church here in Lake Villa would heed the message that the Lord has for us today. You know, it's it's good to go back and to see where this church is their roots, their beginnings. And I want us to do that. We're only going to look at two verses in the book of Ephesus. But before we get to those two verses, I want us to go back to Acts chapter 18. And we're just going to pick up a little bit on the story of Paul. He's at the close of his second missionary journey. And he's traveling back to Jerusalem. He had made a a vow to the Lord. He had shaved his head. He needed to complete the vow in Jerusalem. So the fulfillment of the vow for him had to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. It was probably a Nazarite vow. And you take a Nazarite vow, and I've never done this because I like my hair. The first thing you do in a Nazarite vow is you shave the hair off your head. And then the vow can be for a short period of time. We know for Samson, it was a lifetime commitment that he was supposed to have. But usually it was a period of 30, 60, 90 days. It wasn't for a long period of time. It's interesting with Paul doing this vow, the fulfillment of the vow, if it is a Nazarite vow, it has to do with a peace offering. It has to do with shaving the head again and taking the hair then and offering it on the altar that the smoke of the altar would ascend to the Lord with the hair kind of going up with it, the smell of burnt hair, you know. But the idea is that your vow, your fulfillment of it, you shave it again again. And then put it on the altar and let it mingle with the flames and the smoke goes up as a sweet and smelling aroma to the Lord. And so he had this vow that he had made. He had shaved his head. It is assumed that it was a Nazarite vow. It is assumed then that the fulfillment, as just as I said, he would shave his head when he gets to Jerusalem. He would offer an offering to the Lord and the hair would be burned on that altar and go up with the offering as a sweet and smelling aroma to the Lord. But on his way, he stopped in Ephesus. While he was there, it tells us that he was traveling with Aquila and Priscilla, and that he would leave them there in the city of Ephesus. But before he left, he began to teach in the synagogue. We pick up in Acts 18, verse 19, and it says, "'He came to Ephesus, and then he left them there,' that was Aquila and Priscilla." But he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him to stay longer with them, he did not consent. But he took leave of them, saying, I must, by all means, keep this coming feast in Jerusalem. But I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. And so that was his first introduction. He was there going to synagogue. He was teaching the word of God. And they were so inspired by the words that Paul had, they asked him to stay and to teach them longer. But he had a commitment that he had made. He had a vow that he had made to the Lord. And he said, I have to go to Jerusalem. There's a feast coming up. There's a fulfillment of the vow. But if God wills, I'll come back to you. But he had some things that he needed to do in the meantime. And I think it was important. You know, God uses so many different people to do a work in, a, in an individual's life, in a city's life that it's not all about one individual and it wasn't all about Paul that he used Aquila and Priscilla but he we find in verses 24 through uh, 28 that God used Aquila and Priscilla to pour into one man his name was Apollos and scripture tells us in verse 24 that he was born in Alexandria he was a Jew but he was born in a, a gentile city but he was also an eloquent man mighty in scripture and he also came to Ephesus he went to the synagogue and he began to instruct verse 25 in the ways of the lord fervent in spirit he spoke things and taught things accurately the things of the lord though he only knew the baptism of john so paulus comes into Ephesus and he's preaching the same message that john the baptist taught so many years before where John came on the scene, and he was the introduction of the Messiah, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, and make the path straight. And he was preparing the people's heart for the Messiah's coming. He was preparing the people's heart for Jesus. And somehow, Apollos picked up on that message, and he began to proclaim it. He began to teach it, and he was telling the people, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. The Messiah is coming. And one day Aquila and Priscilla was sitting and they heard this man teach and they said, man, this guy is great. But he needs to know that Jesus has come. He needs to know the whole message. And so scripture tells us, and I believe they did it very graciously, but scripture tells us in verse 26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Basically, they said, Your message is right, it's true, but we need to let you know that Jesus has come, and he is alive this day. He has died, and he has risen from the grave. So they explain the rest of the message to him. And then Apollos, like Paul, put all that together, and he began to proclaim the word. It appears that he was there at Ephesus for a while, because at some point he desired to go to Acacia, which was a region. It would be like saying... He desired to go to Cook County for us and it tells us when he arrived he greatly helped those who had believed through grace for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ Paul would say of Apollos I planted Apollos water but God gives the increase and so there was this combination. God brought in Aquila and Priscilla. He brought in Apollos to Ephesus. And then he brought Paul back. It was the beginning of his third missionary journey. And he's coming back to the area of Ephesus at this time. It's probably around a couple of years later, around the year AD 54, he would end up staying there for three years teaching them. But his ministry began again, now a group of 12 guys. Maybe they were disciples of Apollos, but they also were believers, it tells us in verse 2. But Paul asked the question in verse 2, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he asked, what baptism were you baptized into? In verse 3, it says, into the baptism of John. And so they had, again, They had taken the message of John the Baptist. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. And remember when John came on the scene that he baptized people with the baptism of repentance. Prepare, make straight the path for the Lord. Get your life right. Jesus is coming. And they were taking that message. Paul saw the, the 12 men and he saw that they had a great love for God. But again, their message was incomplete. So Paul now tells them in verse 4, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who is to come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and with prophecy. And now there were 12 in all. So there was The proclamation of Jesus Christ and the people came to faith, they were baptized. The order of this was interesting because in the book of Acts, we have people coming to faith and the Holy Spirit coming upon them, and then they're being baptized. Here, the order is a little bit different. They came to faith, they were baptized, then the Holy Spirit came upon them. The important thing is, have you come to faith? It doesn't matter the order of how we kind of get there. It doesn't matter if um, the Holy Spirit just fills us when we believe he fills our heart we're overflowing with the power of the holy spirit in our life or if we just have the simple faith and we have to take the steps of faith and baptism being one of those steps it is one of the reasons why when i baptize now and and it's nothing new we see that paul did it too in a couple of weeks when we do the baptism when the one who is being baptized comes up out of the water i'll warn him ahead of time that I'm going to do this, but I will pray over them and I will ask that the Holy Spirit will fill them. I think it's a great opportunity. If the Spirit hasn't filled an individual's life at that point, it's a great opportunity for the Lord to work as an individual is surrendering their life and and coming in fulfillment of baptism, giving their heart over to the Lord in this way to just ask the Lord's Holy Spirit to be upon them. From that point forward, in verse 8 tells us that he went into the synagogue. He began to speak boldly for three months there. He reasoned and persuaded concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But, verse 9, when some were hardened and did not believe and spoke evil against the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for about two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So he began to reason in the synagogue. This was Paul's practice. Paul was a Jewish man who loved the Jewish people. God had called him to minister to the Gentiles, to those who are not Jews. But it was his practice always to go into a city. And if there was a synagogue, if there wasn't a synagogue, they would meet by the river on the Sabbath day. But Paul would find the Jews where they're worshiping and he would try to explain to them as Apollos came in verse 28 of chapter 18 to show them from scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Paul loved his people so much. So in Romans, he said, I would even go to hell for them if it would mean that they could go to heaven. That's how much of a love that Paul had for his people, but he knew when to stop. And after three months, when They began to speak evil against the way. Back when I was a teenager, I had a Bible that was, it was called the way. It was a cool Bible to have, you know, it was kind of the happening Bible of the day. But we find that it wasn't new, was it? That here we find that it would be used twice here in this chapter, that the church was called the way at that time. That he decided, you know what, if you guys don't want to hear the truths of the word of God, well, there's a school here. I'll just rent that. And every afternoon. Now, now this is kind of like the siesta time we have in Mexico where um, in hot regions when I was in Africa, siestas were really nice. You know, when it's 90, 100, one of those days in Africa, 126 degrees, you know, you don't have a problem getting out of the sunshine for a while and getting underneath the tree or getting inside a building. There's no cool place where I was in Africa, there was no electricity, so there's no air conditioning. So you were just at the mercy of the weather. But, you know, to get relief, to get some warm water to drink, there wasn't cool water to drink either. I think that's one of the greatest things I missed was a glass of cold water. There was not ice. If you could go into town and find some place to drink, maybe you could get a, a cool bottle of soda. And we did that a couple of times. But It was customary during these days that they would kind of take the afternoon off. And so the school would be open. And Paul says, you know, this is kind of wasted space here. Let's use it for the Lord. And for two years, he taught the believers of Ephesus in the word of the Lord, just taking them through the Bible. and Let's take it back to um, Apollos' message that he was showing them from Scripture that Jesus is Christ. He was helping the believers understand from the word of God. I haven't investigated this all the way through, but this just kind of came to me and interesting. But while I was gone this week, actually, or last week, I was invited to go to Haiti to help with a pastor's conference there. So I'm going to call and find out about that. But what my friend told me who lives out in California, who's kind of heading up this mission there, that um, the pastors there, they don't have the Old Testament. And so what we want to do, one of the things we want to do is to go in there and show them from the Old Testament, Jesus Christ. Uh, something they don't, they he said they can barely read and write. It, it sounds like it'll be a challenge to teach. But this is what Paul was doing. This is what the early church was doing. Realize there was no New Testament. It was being written at this time. The letters were being written, the Gospels were being written from the course of the early or late 50s until John wrote, which they believed that the Gospel of John was probably the last part of the New Testament that was written, and that would put it almost around the turn of the century, around A.D. 100, when that was written. That all the New Testament was being formed, so what they had was the Old Testament and what they would use from the Old Testament, showing from scriptures that Jesus is the Christ, is the Messiah. And the people took that and they went out. I really like this because I, I feel that this is part of our duty here at the fellowship. My responsibility for you is to be like Paul. I'm not an apostle, but it's my responsibility to teach you the word of God. And I want to teach you the word of God so much so that you get filled up and you have a great understanding of who Christ is, that you can go out and you can share Christ with your friends, with your co-workers, with your neighbors, with your family, so that all of Lake County, you know, when it says all of Asia, it's not a region like Acacia or Galatia that's mentioned in scripture or like Lake County or Cook County, but it's Asia. It's a continent, right? The interesting thing is that Paul desired to bring the word at the beginning of the second missionary journey. He desired to bring the word to Asia and God wouldn't let him go. And here we find in the third missionary journey, God's plan. He said, Paul, you don't understand. I know you want to bring the gospel to Asia, but what I want to do is to set you down in one place for a period of three years and let you teach the word so that I can take the pupils that you teach, and they will go out in mass, and then all of Asia. If Paul would have went by himself, If Scripture probably wouldn't have said all of Asia had heard the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, both Jew and Gentiles. But the Lord had Paul sit down and teach so that the word went forth through the hearers so that all could hear. And that's our desire here at Calvary Chapel. That's why we go through the Bible the way we go through the Bible, that you can fill up on Jesus and then go out and share it with your friends. Father, we pray that you would be with us. We thank you so much for your word. Thank you for, um, in advance, for the things you're going to show us in the book of Ephesians. Lord, we thank you for the examples you have given us through Scripture, through people like Apollos and Priscilla, and Aquila, and Paul. For those who believe like the twelve and were baptized and filled with your Spirit. Lord, for those who did not reject the teaching of your word through Paul, but took it and spread your gospel throughout all of Asia. Lord, that was then nearly 2,000 years ago, but we pray today, Lord, the same power of your Spirit would work in us and invade our lives. May your grace, may your peace always be upon us.
1: That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.